Chapter Ten of Baseball Joe of the Silver Stars by Lester Chadwick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Donald Cummings. Chapter Ten, a tight contest. Strike one! Yelled the young umpire as the ball landed with a resounding thud in Bart Ferguson's big mitt. That's the stuff! Called several in the crowd. Send back the Reds with a whitewash brush! Added another enthusiast. I guess Sam's in form today, remarked Tom Davis to Rodney Burke, near whom he sat. Tom was not playing, for Darrell was holding down the initial bag. Wait a bit and see what happens along about the seventh inning, said Rodney. Sam generally falls down then, if he's going to. Well, I hope he doesn't, that's all, said Tom, and then he gave all his attention to watching the game. Ball one, was the next decision of the umpire. Oh, what's the matter with you, cried Sam starting toward home where bart stood holding the ball that clipped the plate as good as any one would want you'd better get a pair of glasses kern you can't see straight i could see as well as you retorted frank kern the umpire it wasn't anywhere near over the plate retorted jack king the batter oh uh, you don't know a good ball when you get one snapped sam i guess that'll do now called darrell sharply from first this isn't a kid game play ball don't always be kicking, Sam. Who's always kicking? demanded the pitcher, and it was evident to all that he was in unusually bad temper. I hope it isn't on my account, thought Joe, who, from his position in deep center, was waiting for anything that might come his way. He had been told to play far out, for King was known as a heavy hitter. Sam received the ball from Bart with a scowl and wound up for the next delivery. Sam was a natural pitcher. That is, he had good control, as a rule, and he made his shoulder and back do most of the work of the pitching arm, as all professionals do. Still, his unpleasant temper often made his efforts go to waste. Strike two, called the umpire this time, and there was no doubt about it, for King had swung viciously at the ball. But Sam had sent in a puzzling little drop, and the knowledge that he had fooled a good batter brought a smile to his otherwise scowling face. Here's where I get you, he predicted. But alas for his hopes! The bat met the ball squarely, and Sam made the mistake of sending a fastball to a heavy hitter, enabling King to knock out a pretty three-bagger. Far back as Joe had stationed himself, he was not far enough, and he had to turn and run after the horsehide. And how he did run! He was thinking desperately of what would happen if he missed it. He made up his mind that he would not. Yet it was not within the power of anyone to get to the spot before the ball fell. Joe felt to graze the tips of his fingers as it rushed downward, but that was all. He heard himself groan involuntarily in anguish as the ball hit the ground with a thud. He lost no time in idle regrets, however, but picked it up and made a throw to third in time to hold King there, for the doughty player had a notion of continuing on home. "'Good try, old man,' yelled some spectators on the benches nearest Joe. He felt that his effort was somewhat appreciated, but he wondered what Darrell would think of it. Sam was scowling again, whether at Joe's perfectly natural miss, or the fact that he was hit for three bases was impossible to guess. Try for the next one, called Darrell cheerfully, and Sam did, with such success that Bigney, who was second up for the red stockings, only pounded out a little drizzler that Sam quickly gathered in and threw to first. King was still held on third. Smart fanned out, and then came Steele, who, after knocking a couple of fouls, was fooled on a little in-shoot which made three out, King dying on third, and the side being retired with no runs. 
Oh, not so bad, said Sam as he walked into the bench. I guess we've got their number all right, assented Darrell. He saw Joe coming in from center, and the manager stopped to speak to him. Nobody could have gotten that ball, he said, for he realized that the new player might blame himself unjustly. I didn't think King had it in him, or I'd have told you to play out to the limit. He won't get you that way again. I guess not, exclaimed Joe Hardly. The makeup and batting order of the Silver Stars was the same as in the game with the Resolutes, save that Joe was in Jed McGraw's place, and this brought him second to the bat. Potter was up first, and managed to get a single. Now bring him in, commanded Darrell with a smile at Joe, as the latter picked out a bat. He was very nervous, as any lad would have been, playing his first game with a new team. He did want to make good. I'll try, he said simply. Painter, the red stocking pitcher, had no phenomenal speed, and his curves could not be depended on to break at the right places. Still, he was a good bluffer, and he made many a batter think that he was getting a very swift ball. Often, it would look as though it was going to hit the man at the plate, and he would instinctively step back, disconcerting his own aim. Joe let the first ball pass, and was somewhat surprised to have a strike called on him, but he did not kick, for, as a matter of fact, the horsehide had clipped the plate. I'll get the next one, thought Joe grimly. Then Painter worked his usual trick, throwing a ball in close, and Joe bent his body like a bow. Strike two, yelled the umpire, and Joe felt a flash of anger. But he said nothing, and when the next ball came, he swung viciously at it. He heard the heart-stirring ping, and, dropping his bat, he legged it for first as Potter darted to second. Quick, to second, yelled the coacher, but Potter dropped and slid, being counted safe. One down, only two more, yelled Murphy, captain and catcher of the Reds, as they were called for short. Joe felt his face burning with shame as he walked back to the bench. Humph, I thought we were going to see some wonders, murmured Sam Morton sarcastically. It's all right, Matson. It was an even chance, and you found the ball, said Darrell quickly. He knew the danger of a new player becoming discouraged. Thanks, said Joe quietly. Lantry got a single which sent Potter to third. But the next two men struck out, and with two men left on bases, the Silver Stars had to take the field again, with only a goose egg to their credit. The game ran along to the ending of the third inning, with neither side getting a run. Each team made some scattering hits, but the fielding was evenly good, and no one crossed the home plate. Joe made one fine catch in the beginning of the third, and received a round of applause that did his heart good. Sam was pitching pretty good ball, occasionally being found for a two-bagger, but any shortcomings in this line were more than made up in the support he received from his mates. "'It's going to be a tighter game than I thought it was,' murmured Darrell at the close of the fourth inning, when his side had managed to get in one run to tie the tally which the Reds had secured. "'They've got a better team than I gave them credit for.' "'You don't think they're going to beat us, do you?' asked Sam anxiously. "'Uh, well, I hope not.' was the hesitating answer. "'Does that mean you don't think I'm doing all I ought to?' demanded the pitcher defiantly. "'Of course not. I know you wouldn't throw the game. Only I wish we could strike more of them out.' And the manager looked anxiously over the field as his players were stationing themselves. "'Wait and see what I do this inning,' invited Sam. "'Perhaps you want that new fella to go in the box in my place.' His voice was sneering now. "'Who, Joe Matson? asked Darrell quickly. "'That's who I mean,' replied Sam surlily. "'Don't be foolish,' was the manager's quiet answer. 
You know he hasn't any experience in the box, or at least enough to play on our team, though I think he'll make a good fielder. Now do your prettiest, Sam. You can, you know. All right, assented the pitcher, and once more the game was underway. The fifth inning was productive of one run for the Silver Stars, and this after they had retired their rivals hitless, for Sam did some excellent pitching. There was a howl of delight as the first tally came in, making the score two to one in favor of our friends, and there was none out. Now we ought to walk away from them, called Darrell to his players. Joe came up to bat, and to his delight he got a single. He was advanced to second when the next player connected with the ball, and then followed some seesawing on the part of the pitcher and the second baseman in an endeavor to catch Joe napping. Once our hero thought he saw a good chance to steal third, and he was about to take it when something warned him to come back. He did, and only just in time, for the pitcher threw to second. It was a close shave. Joe slid head foremost, and as his fingers touched the bag, the second baseman leaped up in the air to catch the ball which the pitcher had wildly thrown high. When the baseman came down, making a wild effort to touch Joe, the iron cleat of one shoe caught the little finger of Joe's left hand and cut it cruelly. The plucky center fielder tried to stifle a groan of anguish that rose to his lips, but it was impossible. The baseman was aware of the accident. Dropping the ball, he knelt over Joe. "'I'm mighty sorry, old man,' he exclaimed. "'Are you hurt much?' "'No, no, uh, I guess not,' murmured Joe, and then all got black before his eyes, and there was a curious roaring in his ears. End of chapter 10 Recording by Donald Cummings, Monroe, Connecticut